0: By Ramos, back at it goes Elsbury to the wall. It is gone. Wilson Ramos with a two-run home run, and with one swing of the bat, he's given the Rays the lead.
1: Coming up, we'll recap the action from this
0: past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game.
2: The two-two now.
0: Check swing on this slider, strike three.
2: Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout.
0: Here's your host, Neil Solons.
3: Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest shows. the Rays look to wrap up a series with the Blue Jays on a high note. Today, you'll hear from Daniel Robertson about the reasons for his growth on the field. Dave Andy, and B.A. from Fox Sports Sun will join me, too, for our monthly roundtable. We'll discuss the Bowling Green Hot Rods with their manager, Craig Albernez, look ahead to Johnny Ventures facing his former team, the Braves, and much more. We continue on this week in raise baseball and our feature guest is Daniel Robertson and Daniel, we appreciate you joining us on the show today. Uh, I guess Mark Topkin had earlier dubbed you the nicest guy in baseball after your incident in Boston. Uh, do you like that title or, or are you as nice
4: a guy as he put you out to be? Um, I, you know, I always want to be, be viewed as a, as a good teammate. Um, you know, on the streets, I'm a nice guy. If, if, you know, someone needs a door held open for them, I'll, I'll hold it open for them. But uh, when you're on the field and you're competing, you kind of want that uh, mentality of, you know, no one's my friend and, you know, I'm out here trying to beat you. And obviously that wasn't the case the other day, but I'm still, you know, at heart a good guy. And when someone needs help on the field, try to help him out. You've gotten a good reputation in your clubhouse with your teammates, and, and I'm
3: curious as to you've had certainly more success offensively than you had last year. What's the biggest difference for you, do you think? Is it more mental or physical?
4: Um, I would say it's a little bit of both. Um, from the mental side, it's uh, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable showing up to the field, um, not hesitant to, to get done what I need done as far as, um, you know, my routine or something. I, I know a lot of times you come up and, and you don't want to step on people's toes and, and, you know, get in the way of things. But, uh, this year I just came in with the mentality. Like I'm, I, I'm going to, you know, do the things I need to do to get myself ready to uh, go out and play every night. And uh, I'm able to do that. And I'm able to do to do those things and get in that good rhythm and routine. And then, um, Obviously, on the physical side, um, I, I mean, as anyone can tell just from a, a naked eye, uh, watching the, the, the relaxed look I have in the box, um, the setup and, and the swing is completely different from last year. So that's helped me. And obviously, it's a long year. There's going to be uh, times where, you know, you're feeling really good, and there's going to be times where you know it's a it's a process and and uh you know it's it's baseball you know where things aren't going to go your way and um for me I'm just uh I'm I'm really just trying to control um you know what I can control day in and day out and um just kind of go from there um I know when I start to feeling good I start to do too much and um you know, I'm starting. I, that's what I'm. That's what I realize. And and you try to nip it in the butt as soon as possible, rather than uh, giving at bats away and have it linger for two or three weeks. Uh, I really want to be a guy that's consistent. I don't want to be a guy that's going to show up for two weeks and then and then be in, be non-existent. And um, you know, I think the best in the game. I've always said it. Are, are they're the best because they're really, how consistent they are uh, with what they do night in, night out. And um, like I said that's baseball. Sometimes you're going to have have those. Uh, those times where it's not going your way and, and, um, you know, you just got to stay, stay positive, stay, uh, you know, keep keep with the routine and the work and just trust the ability and, 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 uh, trust what you've been
3: doing. One of the best in the game is the guy you got to work with in the off season. upper pools, got his 3000th hit on Friday. You got to work with him this off season. When did the relationship between the two of you start and how has it helped you?
4: Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I can sit here and honestly say that, uh, Albert is a mentor. He's he's a uh, he's a close friend. He um, when I'm when I'm around with him in the off season, hanging out with him, he introduces me to people as uh, this is my friend Daniel. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to you know be around that and uh, just hear that from a guy who has had so much success in the game. Uh, the relationship started about four or five years ago. Um, we had the same agent, um, and in the off season. They would put together um, a, a weekend in Southern California where, where a lot of the guys in the agency would come out and we all work out together. And um, this is when I was in the minor leagues and it would be other minor leaguers in, in my same position. And, um, um, you know, during those weekends, each each day, a, a different guy would come out, um, you know, whether it was Albert for a couple of days or Nick Swisher at the time or, um, you know, and they would come out and they, they would hit with us and you know, we would just have a good time and, and I don't know what it was, man. Uh, Albert saw something in me and we just kind of hit it off, hit it off one day. We were shagging in the outfield after we hit together in a round and we just got to talking. And, um, uh, next thing, you know, we're playing golf. And then next thing he, he invites me to, uh, come out and hit with him and, and then stay at his house. And, I don't want to sit here and talk about all those moments, but uh, it's just really, it's truly humbling for someone with so much uh, clout and success in this game to uh, take time out of his day for me. At the time, I was uh, going into my I think double A season or, or high A season, and um, for him to to uh, take the time out of his day and what he's got going on to uh, to to work with me and 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 be a guy that I can and talk to uh is just truly a speechless speech really I don't even know how to put it into words honestly Neil um it's crazy and then like you said you know last year he hits his uh 600th home run and then this year he gets his 3,000th hit uh just to be able to be a part of that and uh congratulate him and, um, you know, see him when he comes and when we play against each other. And then just on top of that, just the, the baseball knowledge he spills on me. Um, and, and a lot of my success was just the, the time I got with him again this last off offseason. Um, just, just about approach and, and uh, how to approach the baseball and, and the right ways to, 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 to hit a baseball. I mean, it's, you can't beat it.
3: Where have you grown the most with him? where would a fan maybe even see your influence if they're watching closely
4: um I think where I, I would go a fan probably wouldn't wouldn't really pick it up um, but it's just it's really it's it's just um, we've grown super close just in the the spiritual side um, we're both believers in the Lord and, and we've kind of He's helped me grow in my faith in the Lord, and, um, you know, you, you listen to him do an interview or something, and the first thing he's always saying, he's, he's thanking God, you know, for his opportunity, and, um, and that's kind of the, the biggest thing that I, I've taken from him is that, uh, you know, I, I got my talents from, from God, and, um, you know, just to play and shine bright for him is, uh, is what's most important it would be natural as a human being to be in awe
3: somewhat when you meet a guy who's done what he's accomplished. Was there a point where you got over that? How quickly did that change? Cause I mean, look, we're all starstruck is there's someone in everyone's life, whether it's for a broadcaster, it's a Vince Scully or, or whoever it may be for, for a baseball player. Was there a little bit of that when you first met him?
4: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, my anxiety, it was through the roof that first time I talked to him because it's like, I, what do you say? But then but then at the end of the day, you realize that, you know, he's a human being. He's normal. The way he talks to you, the way he makes you feel, what's up, bro? You know, how you doing, bro? Like, he's, just, he's a normal guy. He makes you feel comfortable. Um, there was times early on when, you know, I would be riding in the car or something, and I would just – look around and i'd be like wow like i'm i'm you know i'm hanging out with an icon in baseball for the last freaking decade you know and and um yeah it i mean now now it's uh just a, a casual organic relationship but early on um you know being in his house just seeing all of his memorabilia I'm like dang i'm i'm in a hall of famers you know house but but I try to look past that now and and just look look at him as a as a mentor and a guy that I can go to, a brother, um, someone who, who has helped me out and will continue to help me out through my career. He does a lot of charitable work. I know you do too. How important is your foundation?
3: And what in for fans who may not know? Explain what you're doing and why you're doing it.
4: Yeah, um, that you know why why I do it is uh, you know just growing up um obviously baseball was a big part of my life but watching the game at a young age and uh seeing what guys would do off the field is something that i that i wanted to make sure that i incorporated uh into my my career um and i saw it early at a young age with uh you know guys in the agency with kurt suzuki what he does with his foundation um albert um you know the list goes on and uh I just wanted to make that a big part of my life and my career, uh, just to kind of give back. Um, even during the season, you know, doing the appearances and um, charitable events during the season is huge for me, because um, it just kind of puts things in perspective, and it and it it just um, it it makes you feel good when you when you're doing the right things, and you're you know you're you're on such a high platform where, you know, kids or or you know people are gonna. Uh, follow foot and and follow you know what you're doing and um, for me and my foundation uh, after after my dad passed we just came up with the idea where uh, you know we were going to put together an event to uh, raise money for for you know who if the breadwinner of the family is uh, sick or you know dealing with a you know sickness like cancer that um and they can't work to to make money and provide for their family well we're gonna we're gonna raise money to um to help those families in need and uh you know for us whenever my dad was going through it um you know we we were fortunate enough to be in a situation where our lives didn't have to change too much we were financially stable but um not everyone's in that position and uh it's it's you know it's hard for those families to go through that so anything we can do whether it's to raise five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars or one thousand dollars or two twenty dollars to to raise that money to to pass on to families um you know that are in need uh, when they're going through the, those difficult times um is just really humbling and it's just uh it, you know it's something that comes from the heart and um You know, it's really it's really awesome to see to see my foundation and see it grow and people starting to to take notice of it. And, um, you know, I'm really just looking forward to it, to 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 keep growing over the years. And um, it's awesome. It's it's uh, really cool to be able to do that. And like I said, I I wouldn't know how to do it unless I had the guidance from uh, guys that have done it, you know, that I've that I've noticed doing it. And um, it's cool. It's cool. I do it in my hometown. We get all the all the local youth comes out, and we just have a good time, man. We put on a mini fan fest and play around with the kids, and people buy tickets to come. And you know, I get my my local buddies that are able to make it um, come out and help me, and you know, that's what it's all about. So it's it's awesome. You're doing great work, and
3: you're doing good work on the field too, and we certainly hope it continues throughout this season and many years to come. And we appreciate some time today on this week in Rays baseball. Thank you, Neil. That's Daniel Robertson. We'll continue with our program in just a moment. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Back to this week in Rays Baseball. Neil Solon's with you. Time now to take a look back at the week that was. Joining me for our monthly roundtable discussion, Dave Wills, Andy Freight, and, of course, Brian Anderson from Fox Sports Sun. Good morning, guys. Hi there. How are you?
2: We are well. I bet the Rays. Uh, is this the same team that was three and twelve?
3: You know, that's that's where I was going to start. I mean, think about this. I mean, after all, this team had been through one and eight, three and twelve, four and thirteen. Now one under five hundred, a chance to sweep. What it, would it mean in your mind
5: to the group of you to get to five hundred today? Oh, I think it would be huge, especially because you were one and eight. Uh, four and 13. You battle all the way back two different times. They've had a shot to get to 500. It has not worked out and they've fallen back a couple of games. So I think, you know, collectively for the group to get to 500, then it's go time. You know, you know because you end up sweeping Toronto, an interdivisional rival uh, here at home. You've got the Braves in for two. Then you're going to go to Baltimore, Kansas City, teams that are struggling mightily. And I think this team is looking at itself saying, hey, we can get on a, a nice little run here outside of what they've already done, which has been impressive enough with such a young team.
2: And Dave, you said to Kevin Cash today, you know, all this stuff about getting to 500. I like that Kevin's response to you was, and we'll hear it a little bit in the pregame show, not to, uh, not to settle too early, but 500 would be great. That's not the goal of this team. I mean, 500 would be a nice accomplishment at this point, but like Brian's saying, now then it will be time to
0: take off. But you have to get there first. And, uh, you know, in, in basketball parlance, though, You're down 15 or 20, and you expound a lot of energy to get back to break even, and you got to hope that there's something left in the tank. And I think there is, and I think it starts with Chris Archer today. I mean, uh, again, he's your opening day starter. He's going up against the Blue Jays lineup that uh, uh, is missing a couple of guys, although they get uh, one of those big guys back today in Justin Smoke. But if this team is going to go to where it wants to go, Chris Archer has to be better than a 6 e pitcher. Well, I mean, but that's
2: what he is right now. I mean, and still, you look at – arch's career numbers he's 53 and 65 i mean that that's 12 games under 500 this is the guy that started four straight opening days he should be better than that his stuff is just too good for it to not be good he's got to have good stuff i don't know if he's figured out a way to get by on days where he doesn't have as good stuff and ba as we've learned this blue jays lineup if you if you make mistakes they are going to hit a lot of home runs
5: well yeah i mean lead major league baseball and home runs and i think the one thing when you look at Chris Archer's season so far, not that it's that different from, from any other, I think that the, you know the slider has not been as sharp as in years past. you know it used to be that that pitch, the majority of the times that he threw it looked like an 88 90 mile an hour curveball. And now it looks more like a, a slider that the break, it's flattened out just a little bit for the most part um, and that could be something mechanical. it may come back today and he may be back to that, that snapdragon put away slider. Slider's still good. It's just not as good as we've seen it. And, and when was the last time that you saw him uh, throw outside of a left-handed hitter uh, to a right-handed hitter? When was the last time you saw him throw a fastball inside on purpose? And, and you know what? And it doesn't take long, uh, you know, for these hitters. And I, and I thought the Philadelphia Phillies, who a team that really has never seen him, mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. the best approach of him of any team that I've seen. They looked fastball middle away and tried to see the slider up in the zone, and they did not miss uh, during the course of that game, and that was the most impressive approach I've seen against him, and and teams are doing more of that, so either the slider needs to get more depth, he needs to start pitching inside a little bit more. I think that would be something that would help him out dramatically, uh, but you, you're absolutely right, Dave. Today's the day he needs to go out and shove against a team that he's had success against, yep. and meanwhile, the Rays have had a lot of success swinging the bats off Estrada.
0: Of Last time, I think he pitched in on a right-handed hitter on purpose, Salvador Perez, and even Salvador Perez then came out in the paper that next day and said our scouting report says he never pitches in yeah so that was when he hit him and all that stuff went on but until Chris Archer uh, starts to take over the inside part of the plate which you wonder if it's ever going to happen he's going to struggle to get guys out on a consistent basis especially guys who have seen him before
5: it forces you to be perfect if you're going to stay away and do nothing but pitch away it forces you to be perfect out there Um, and and meanwhile with his velocity he can afford to have a little margin for error. If he pitched in, that margin for error would get very big. Is Neil
0: still here? <laughs> yes, I am. On the flip okay. side
3: of this, on the flip side of this, since you guys have brought up the downside of what Chris has been, to me, the upside is Blake Snell, and, and you could argue that he has now surpassed the rest of the staff as being the top pitcher in this no, group. You, you, you can't
0: you can't argue that. It's true. I mean, he is the number one pitcher on the staff right now, and with that being said, uh, you know, I go back to his start against Boston, B.A., and That first time through the order against that Boston team was about as impressive as I've ever seen uh, Blake Snell perform. He had about a six-pitch inning mixed in there. I mean, he's starting to realize he doesn't have to strike guys out. Even in his last start against Detroit, I don't think he had uh, his A stuff, but he still was able to get guys out. But I know people are probably sick of hearing it. I think he's still kind of in the same boat. That's Chris Archer. I mean, he's got right now his stuff is better and it plays better because he has multiple pitches, which Chris right now is kind of a fastball slider guy. Blake mixes in four or five pitches, but Blake has to start to bring the ball back inside because I think we're starting to see again teams start to look just middle away against him And if he can start to use all four quadrants of the strike zone, uh, that's when he's really going to take the next step.
2: I think the proof right now uh, of who is the best pitcher or the number one pitcher in this staff is if we had to win one game tomorrow, if the wild card game in the American League is tomorrow, who do you want on the mound? It's not a very hard decision at all. It will be Blake Snell. B.A., I'm curious from your standpoint, too, and Dave mentioned that game in Boston. I just thought his whole body language has changed also from a year ago at this time. He was tight, and he was frustrated on the mound last year. He's so loosey-goosey on the mound, and you know that you've got to be genuine in this game. You can't always be a phony and succeed. That is the way Blake Snell is when we're on the plane, when we're on the bus, when we're walking through the dugout. Watched him today playing with that little baseball toss right. game when we got to the ball yard today. He's just like a big kid having a good time, and that was the demeanor I saw on the field in Boston. And That, to me, shows he is tapping into something that is allowing him to be himself and be a natural competitor on the mound.
5: And what I like is when it comes down to when it's business time, yeah. He's very business like and I, I I absolutely love his mound presence, the way that he commands the center of the diamond. You know, there, there are no theatrics with him. He understands the, the game plan. He's got four above-average pitches, and, you know, he's starting to pitch like a guy who knows what he's doing. I go back earlier in the season. We may have even talked about it, uh, an at-bat with Hanley Ramirez, where he went with a fastball up with you know in a two-strike count, and Hanley Ramirez fouled it off. And immediately as a pitcher, I'm upstairs thinking, okay, here's the curveball. you you got him swinging at that fastball up. You throw the curveball right off that same slot and drop it in there, and you're going to punch him out. And you're watching the signs be given. Slider, no, change up. No, so you know it's not him following the catcher. He knows what he wants to do, and he wants to get to that curveball. There were two shakeoffs to get to that curveball, and he ended up punching him out. And that's where you say this kid is starting to get it, and he's just taken off. You know, since then.
2: How about BA? I'm curious if you remember this when we were in Boston. That game just stands out so much for so many reasons. He was in a tight situation. There was, I think, out of a soft line drive hit at Echeverria, I believe, who was on the right side of the field. He ended up short hopping and turned into a double play. It was a great play. It might have been. I I forgot which second baseman it was, but you guys on TV got a nice tight shot of Blake, and he had that same almost like a little kid smile, and then he whispered to
5: himself, man, that was sick. You could read his lips. I mean, he is having a ball out there on the mound right now. Well, that just shows you how comfortable he is. You know, when you are comfortable, when you are confident, you play loosey-goosey. You let things go. And he understands. Listen, I belong at the in the major leagues. I belong at this level. My stuff plays. I'm set up with a good game plan. I've got you know good defenders behind me. And he's enjoying himself. Now it doesn't mean that you know he's out there a you know, goofball. Right. But he is enjoying himself and enjoying being in this moment. And it's allowed him. It's freed him up uh, to just go out there and compete. Let it all hang out. And we're seeing what he's capable of.
3: Is this team also developing an identity, too? I kind of feel it's a scrappy group that catches the ball, puts it in play, and they're all having fun. You mentioned Blake. I think it's the whole group.
0: Oh, 100%. I I agree, and I think, you know, like I said, going back, if you would have told me at the uh, end of March that you look back in first week of May, this team would be right at five hundred. I think that's exactly how I kind of pictured this team. I I think that this team is a team in that – 80, 85, you know, 75 to 85 win range. You know, a couple things go right. They can get to 85 wins and maybe have a lot of fun and playing in the postseason. If some things don't go right, you're looking at a team that might go closer to 75. But I think uh, it starts with the fact that we're starting to hear some of the things that we expected, that Denard Spann is guiding a couple of the young players and and, kind of piloting them along. And then Carlos Gomez is bringing a certain certain amount of energy to the ballpark. That stuff you can't measure. Uh, in, in metrics and everything else like that. And I think that was those are astute signings and pickups by our baseball operations department, Eric Neander, Bloom and company. I thought, uh, you know, you start to look back, B.A., when you were uh, with the team for the last time in 2008, some of the big pickups there were guys that, uh, again, might not be lighting up the stat sheet anymore, but Cliff Lloyd, Troy Percival, uh, you know, Dan Wheeler came in 07, Trevor Miller, those kind of guys. Eric Kinski. those are the kinds of guys that started to guide some of the young players the right and correct way, and and provided an identity for that team, and I think that's what's happening right now. This is a team that uh, likes to be around each other, it seems, and uh, is going out there and playing that way. It's invaluable having
5: those types of guys around, and the race, definitely have some in the clubhouse as we speak. That that is absolutely invaluable, and you're right. It's tough to put a number on it. So a, a lot of places, it's you know, it's the importance is not put on it, but but at the end of the day, it, it is, and and I do love the scrappy nature of this team. I mean, they're playing a style of baseball. Uh, that's recognizable. You know, last year it was not. It was it was swing from your heels. You're going to hit some home runs. You're going to punch out a lot, take some walks. It was the new era style of baseball where this is a little bit of a throwback. You
0: know, well, how many times yest- – yesterday's game. Yesterday's game, two sack fly scored runs. A yeah. ball off the mitt scored a run. I mean, moving to baseball in situations that our team – How about – The Rays didn't do last year a whole lot – uh, p- allowed this team to win a game yesterday.
2: Three stolen bases and taking direct advantage of the other team's mistakes
5: reminded me about the winning years. That that was what last night's game was all about. Yeah, no no doubt, putting guys in motion. Right. You, know, hitting, you know, hitting the ball the other way. How many of the – you know, even C.J. and you're seeing him. If you're going to stay away mm-hmm. from him and he's strong enough to get it out the other way, he's going to hit the ball the other way. Guys are using the whole field, and that's why you see so many raised hitters um, on hot streaks. I will say this, though. You know, when you start to look big picture with this team, we've been around the league, not all the way around the league, BUT WE'VE SEEN ENOUGH really bad baseball yep. teams oh. that mm-hmm. the Rays, they could take advantage and surprise. You know, I think everybody thought Baltimore would be better than they are. Know uh, uh, you know, Kansas City has, has been a dumpster fire. Chicago, not any good. Detroit, all of these teams, and you're saying to yourself, you know what, why, why can't the Rays yeah. get, get, you know, threaten threatened get think into they're the in playoffs? That, I think
0: yeah. they're in that group of that half dozen right now. I mean, we look at the four, and I used to call them elite teams. Now I don't call them elite teams anymore because I think the Indians have some bigger holes than yeah. people had anticipated. Houston's bullpen probably isn't where they want it to be, but their starters are outstanding. And then you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox. But I think the Rays are in that group of six to seven teams that will probably be battling for a playoff spot if uh, things go correctly. And I think right now my only concern about this team is that area that had to be addressed last year in the second half of being able to shorten games. I don't know if we can shorten games yet to where we need to to be able to win ball games when we have the lead in the fifth or sixth inning and have to go to the bullpen that early and I think uh, it'd be nice to get another uh, power arm or another arm that you could count on to, you know, like last year uh, come August and September when this team had the lead and they started to disappear a little bit because our offense wasn't as good, but when we had the lead in the fifth inning, this team won and I'm not sure we're there yet in the fifth or sixth innings. I think we're there when we start to get into the seventh and eighth innings, but I don't think we're there yet in the fifth or sixth innings. And no, I'd love I- to see another arm come up to be able to get some guys out.
5: I, I absolutely agree, and, you know, that comes into where the bullpen days, where, where you end up having guys down there. You've got three or four guys that are stretched out that are longer type guys, and all the one-inning guys, you use them up, you know, in a two- or three-day span, and then all of a sudden, you know, you run out for uh, for a couple of days, and guys are thrown into roles that are normally not filling. So it can be difficult, but, but I think that this team's uh, got a real chance this year.
2: There are some guys in Durham, Neil, that you know, Schultz, Gabo. Um, Castillo, they could help shorten games perhaps whenever they get here, whenever that might be.
3: Yes, I would agree wholeheartedly. Guys, great stuff. Enjoy Neil, the game. Good hopefully hopefully we 500 shortly, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Thanks, Neil. And let's continue in a moment. Let's pause right now for station identification on the Race Baseball Network.
0: This is 620 WDAE St. Petersburg. It is HD3 Clearwater and
2: 95.3 FM,
0: home of the Rays. Well,
2: we continue
3: on This Week in Race Baseball. Time to take a look at the race minor league system. We head down to Bowling Green with the Hot Rods, and their manager, who was with Hudson Valley last year and won a championship, is Craig Albernaz. Albie, thanks very much for joining us.
1: No, thank you, Neil. It's always a pleasure. Uh, tell me, you managed a
3: lot of these guys last year I- at the uh, short season level. What's it like to be able to move up with them, and how good a group has this been?
1: Oh, it's been a great group. Uh, even last year, obviously, winning the championship. Um, Great group of guys. They love to compete and get after it um, every day, especially even before the game. with the practice, it's just great to see them grow as players. You know, especially with the college guys, and you know they come pretty much playing for three years straight. Some of them, they play fall ball and then college summer ball. So it's good to see them have an actual offseason, to kind of rest and recoup, uh, recouping and get better and holding on their skills. So so it's good to see them. Come to a full season and really flourish. Um, not to mention the younger, the younger prospects. You know the the Latin players. You know just see how they develop, and obviously their tools are off the charts, but also you know hard to play the game.
3: Let's start with one of those college players who's actually doing something very unique. in Brendan McKay, how's it been to manage him? How has he handled both playing the field and pitching? Obviously, his pitching numbers are, are off the charts good right now.
0: Yeah,
1: no, uh, Brendan's been great. He was great last year. A uh, really good teammate. Coachable, loves to play the game. Obviously, if you're doing if you're doing both sides of the ball, you love to play the game. Uh, I mean, also his work ethic to do both. I mean, he can't you I mean he can't undervalue it. But at the play, you know he's you know he's got to a hot uh, hot start. His contact rate and chase rate are tops in the league. He has a great eye. puts the you know puts the bat to the ball. And he has some pop. He pitches them tough. You know when you see Brandon McCain in the lineup in the middle of the lineup, you know he's gonna get pitched tough in this league. And he's he's handling himself well on the mound. I mean, what's not to love, uh, you know, a lefty with an easy motion, you know, he's 93-95, to 95. he can spin it, change speeds, pounds his own, um, and if the meter doesn't change in the mound. Uh, his last outing uh, was his, you know, his lengthiest outing, he went five innings. Uh, one inning, he actually had, it was kind of high leverage, he had some base runners, and it was good to see, he kept his composure. Uh, you wouldn't even tell if he was throwing a no-hitter, or he had runners on. So it was great to see.
3: Certainly an impressive kid and an impressive start in the Midwest League. Drew Strotman also had an impressive start. He just pitches. I, I can't say just, but he's, he also was one of those kids who really showed himself well last year. Where's he grown this year?
1: He started off, it looked like he was trying to press too much, start to year, his first couple of starts. Um, his last outing was it was very impressive. Um, pounded pounded the zone. I mean, I believe he hit 97, like 14 times or something like that. Wow. Um, yeah, he can, he can just pitch. You know, he, he has a good feel for what he's trying to do, um, you know, above average breaking ball, and he just pounds his own. He's the only guy just pounds his own. So his last outing was really impressive. So I hope we can build on that going in. But that's the guy, I mean, you know, the ceiling on him is going to be fun to watch.
3: You've got two high school kids who are also in that rotation in Bowling Green in Tobias Myers and uh, Austin Franklin. What have you liked about each of those
1: kids? uh well, Franklin. He's I mean, his fastball. You know, he has he has swinging this in his own, You know, and that's always a good trait to have. Um, he's getting a really good feel for his changeup. Uh, you can throw in any count; it doesn't matter, right or left. And, and for it, being that young to have that feel, it kind of reminds me of uh Jeremy Hellickson. I'm not saying the same type of pitcher, but to have the feel for that changeup, you know, this early this stage in their career is you know it's, it's fun to watch from the side. Um, Tob- Tobias Myers, I mean, he's been kind of struggling in his mind, um, and especially after what he did last year. You know, we don't have too much information on him as far as how he's going to go through the season, but it looks like he might be a slow starter as of now. Uh, but, again, he has right, it's the same thing with his Demeter, same as McKay. I mean, when guys get on base, he pitches the same, and his stuff kind of elevates a little bit. So he, had, uh, he grinded his last outing. He battled, so it's, you know it's good to see a kid that young be able to keep his composure and, and pitch. You know his stuff is off the charts too, so it's going to be good to see it, this long season how he's going to develop.
3: You've got two good catchers, two young catchers to help them develop. Run Aldo Hernandez, who I met this uh, this January in their prospect camp for the kids from Latin America, and also Zach Law, conversion guy, who I know had a really good stint in Australia before uh, uh, before coming up to Bowling
2: Green.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right now uh, on the offense side of the ball, they're both swinging it. Uh, I mean, a couple nights ago, uh, Ronaldo Hedges hit a grand slam, you know, on a two-strike battle at bat and a breaking ball. So it was good to see with him. Um, and Zach Law, he's been swinging as well, you know, laying off some tough pitches and battling balls up. But behind the plate, uh, it's getting, I mean, Ronaldo. He, every day he's learning. Um, he has great tools, hands uh, for a big guy. He moves, he moves well, and he has a great arm. Um, with him, it's going to be more of the little things. Um, calling the game and understanding the game from behind the plate, and each you know, he's he's a kid that wants to learn. And each game he catches, he's learning something and wants to grow. So I mean, that's it's it's going to be uh, impressive to see how he develops. And Zach Law, you know, his aptitude is off the charts. You know, he's in this league. He was two years ago. He was playing the center field. Uh, last year was his first year catching, and he just on it looks like a national. You don't even know he was an outfielder to a testament to his work ethic and all the work he puts in.
3: Certainly impressive. You've got some pretty good infielders, too. Vidal Brujan, I think, is probably the guy who gets uh, probably most of the attention, yes?
1: Yeah, you know, he's 19 years old, switch hitter. Um, he's a burner. Loves to compete. Yeah, he's he, he definitely jumps out at you. Um, and and same as Ronaldo, being this young, you know, just trying to learn the game with him. You know, especially stealing bases. Oh, knowing when to run, not trying to force it, um, and offensively from both sides of the plate, he gives you a great at bat. You know, to be that young and at this level, and I mean, he's hitting lead off pretty much every game when he's in there, and he gives you a great at bat, and he's handling himself really well.
3: And you've got a couple of pretty good uh, other infielders on that diamond too: uh, Taylor Walls, Zach Rutherford. Both of those guys, college kids, first full year of professional baseball.
1: Yeah, I had uh, I had a logia had Taylor Walls last year. I know him, and he's one of those college guys where he looked like he was, you know, somewhat worn down from the grind of the college seasons, not having a break. So to, to see him have an off season with some rest and play this year, I mean, he's flourishing right now. He's playing a really great shortstop, making all the plays, tough plays look easy. Switch hitter, I mean, his his bat to ball is impressive. Um, his speed off bat, is top, well, I and mean, is up there for with our team. Um, you know, so it's good to see what he's doing. And then Zach Rutherford. I had a limited look uh, in the Instructional League last year. He was in Princeton. I see him in the Instructional League and then spring training. Uh, But everyone talked about how great of a kid he is and his tools. He can play the game. And everyone that's talked about him, he has not disappointed this year. Uh, He's given good at-bats. It felt like he hasn't got out in like eight at-bats this past series. And And we're moving around the infield. He's playing third. He's playing short. He's playing second. Uh, so who knows, as he develops, he's going to be that Super U guy. But right now, he can play He play all three infield positions really well.
3: Nice to have that versatility. And we mentioned Bruhan and, and him being from Latin America. You've got a pretty toolsy Latin American outfielder in Moises Gomez, who it appears is coming around too.
1: Yeah, this kid's fun to watch play. And another kid that's 19, um, big-time power, big-body kid who's athletic. Uh, and he's really coming to his own this last week. Um, you know, I, he had a stretch a couple of weeks ago where he struck out, you know, six straight at-bats. And he just, every day comes to the field, you wouldn't even know he was six for six or roll for six for six punches. He has that demeanor, which is, that demeanor, which is, you can't teach. And it's showing right now, I mean, he's in a real hot stretch right now where he's barreling everything up, and it's loud. And the ball just has a different sound off his bat. Now, he plays a good left field. He's athletic. You know, they kind of, describe how he is our our outfield coach here jeremy owens calls him bo jackson i hmm. mean obviously he's not hmm. not that athletic but just talking about the similar build and how he plays the game so uh, he's going to be fun to watch as he develops
3: well it sounds like you have a really good group that you're going to enjoy uh, managing throughout the course of this season i know we'll check in again i appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball
1: no Neil, always a pleasure man thanks for reaching out
3: And that's Bowling Green manager Craig Albernaz. More coming up in this week in Race Baseball after this on the Race Baseball Network. Time now for our latest feature on 20-year employees in this 20th anniversary season.
6: Hi, this is Patrick Smith. I'm the controller with the Rays, and I started on February 2nd, 1998. I started interviewing with uh, the current CFO at the time, uh, Ray Namoli, and it took a couple months We had a process he wanted to go through. So my first day on February 2nd, I came in, and we were just, it was just all cubicles. It was a small area where media dining is right now. So we were all crammed into this small space. He just gave me a folder to start looking through things, and that was it.
3: What's been the best part about your 20 years with the race?
6: Of course, the people. The people are great in the organization throughout all 20 years. Uh, the first year was pretty exciting in that we didn't know what to expect. We were all kind of new the baseball. In this small space, we got to know one another for good or bad. And then just the excitement for that first year.
3: Tell me what, since you have been here for 20-plus years, I'm sure there's a lot personally you've accomplished with the Rays. What would you consider your greatest accomplishment, or what are you proudest of?
6: I think probably making it through the tough years. That's you know, when we weren't doing so well, which was probably like 2002, 2003. Uh, the team wasn't winning. And the, but the good thing about baseball is that there's a game the next day, so you, you have a chance to experience something positive.
3: You probably have some good stories that will stick with you that's also a little family-friendly, too.
6: And it may not be personal, but it was more my personal experience. A couple things in 1998 was, one, I, I had to stay for every game in the box office. Uh, Ray required that. He wanted just to make sure someone was there in the box office just to look so I stayed for every game. And so I believe it was our 11th game. And it was a Monday. And it was the Twins. So I was in the stands behind home play watching the game. And uh, one of the Twins hit a home run. And I thought, who's this? this? He, The guy impressed me, the player. And it was David Ortiz who hit the home run. And I'd never heard of David Ortiz before. And I just remember that game because we we were down six to nothing in the third inning, but we came back and we tied the game, we went ahead, it went went into extra innings, and we won the game in the 14th inning. So I had to stay for all of these games. And so I saw a lot of these extra inning games, and it was just it was just a neat experience. That's Patrick Smith. Congrats to him on 20 years with the Rays. The Rays have had many
3: terrific employees, but also a tremendous number of people in Rays Wives doing terrific work in the Tampa Bay community. This year, that group is headed by Jessica Soto, Jake Faria's fiance, and I asked her what it means to head up this group.
7: To head up Rays Wives really means to just to go out there and put our best foot forward in the community and kind of um, do our part in the sense of charity work, um, any way we can help in um, St. Pete or Tampa, that's pretty much what our goal is. You know, we're working constantly to find things where people can now um, contribute or be a part of something, a cause that we're very passionate about as a group or even as individuals, whatever uh, we want to do or whatever we feel like uh, we're passionate about for them to come out and support us and support the guys in any way.
3: So tell me, you were part of it obviously last year when Jake got his first call up. What'd you learn about being part of the group? and? Um, how gratifying was it to be part of Race wives
7: um, having Jacob get called up and then kind of just like being new here There was a great group of women who kind of took me under their wing and taught me what it was how to be a wife in the sense of what ex- What's expected of you and what you should do and how you should handle yourself and Anna Boxberger was huge in that and as you guys know she was huge in helping the raise wives and you know, we talked about seeing Jacob come from the minor leagues and now being here and me seeing what he's gone through. You know, we're so thankful for all that we have now and how much he's been through that now. We just at this point want to give back. So we're given this platform now and we would love to use it any way we can. And that's pretty much what we're doing here right now.
3: Tell me what you're excited about um, as you're a month into this season. What are some of the things that you are going to do that are traditional, maybe some new ideas that you guys have for the group.
7: So we're going to keep a couple of traditional things that we have, and it's, of course, Raised on the Runway, which was huge last year. That was the first time Jacob and I took part, and it was just so much fun. Um, We got to meet with the kids and learn about what they have and what they do. And we have a lot of new ideas. It's a new group, so we try to keep it really fresh this year. It's a young group, so we try to put our heads together and see what all the girls are passionate about. And there was things such as the military um, I had a kindergarten class back at home, so education was huge to me. Um, we know that fitness is huge in the St. Pete area, so now we're looking at ways where we can raise money, maybe like in a spin class or certain ways where to get the fans involved, where they can help us raise money. So that's pretty much where we're at now. We have such like such good ideas coming from each girl that we're just trying to put together some at this point and hopefully have everyone else involved.
3: Now, you mentioned your involvement as a as a teacher. Um, tell me what, how maybe helping in the community as a school teacher may be similar to what you're doing now with Raise Wives.
7: Well, when the Boxers got traded, Anna kind of sat down with me and talked to me about, um, you know, the, the Raise Wives and um, being the head of it and what it meant to her and how she felt like Jacob and I were in a good transition where it was something that she saw. She saw a lot of her and myself so she wanted to pass along the torch and I was kind of hesitant at first because obviously it's Jacob's first hopefully full season and I didn't want to step on anyone's toes and you know especially with like the older girls that are here I just didn't want to feel like I was taking over a group so I was working at a nonprofit at the time with and I had my own kindergarten class and I was worried coming out here with it being our first season what I was going to do with all my time we had already finished wedding planning and with that falling into my lap it kind of filled my time and it kind of worked out in a way where it I felt like it was meant to be, like I was meant to have that role because now I'm not sitting there just waiting or not doing anything. Like, I feel like I text our Wives coordinator, Kim, all the time. We're constantly finding ways to have the community involvement. We're constantly trying to find new ways of having the fans involved and the guys involved in new events every day, I feel like we're talking about. So, you know, that that work that I had, like that emptiness that I felt like I was leaving my job kind of got filled by the Wives role.
3: Tell me how you as a group help kind of support one another.
7: Yeah, I mean, this group of women is just amazing. Like today, I mean, we were just got together for a baby shower for Lindsay Wendell, Joey Wendell's wife, and we kind of sat there and talked about life during season. And, you know, when I'm on the road, especially, it's fun to have girls to travel with. We fly together. I mean, we have dinners together when the guys are at the field we kind of lean on each other and I think that's huge and it's you know the group here even last year um, what I learned from like watching them because like as it was our first season last year I kind of sat back and observed a lot before I even spoke or you know had anything to say but um, what I learned was you're away from your family and you're away from your friends and this is your family really when you're when you're, during baseball season, the wives are the girls who are going to understand what you're going through, understand the things that you're feeling, have probably been through what you've been through. So if you're looking for advice, you know, they're the girls you go to. And it's like, you're not given a book on how to live this life. So if a girl has gone through something or has, you know, dealt with something, their wisdom is a lot because it's very valuable. And so, you know, these girls are really like family to me. And I, I mean, I'm with them on a daily basis. We work out together. We we grab lunches together and, um, Honestly, it's not even like a competition or anything. Like when another guy does well, I'm so happy for them. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like we're, we're our own team away from the guys. Like we have each other's backs. We'd go to war for each other. And that's really how I feel. And this group here is so new and different because it's a new team. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, the girls are just amazing. And we do nothing but support one another.
3: That's Jessica Soto, fiancé of Jake Faria, head of Raise Wives. Learn more at raisebaseball.com community. Back to the big club and this week, Johnny Venters to face his original team, the Braves. I asked Johnny to discuss the Braves, but also look back at his first appearance. I was nervous when I was out there, so once I was
8: coming off, you know, I tried to catch my breath, and and I think it really soaked in once I got, you know, came in and, and you know got to see everybody, all the guys, and, and the way they responded to me, and and uh, you know, s- sitting up on the railing for the, the second half of that inning, just kind of looking around the the park and the atmosphere, and and, and uh, taking it all in. Um, that's when it kind of it was it was special.
3: Did you notice where your wife and kids were at that I point? And man. and
8: because they were flew, their flight was at five something, so I was at the field. And then at the game, I wasn't sure. Uh, my wife told me after the game they they got to the game in the fourth inning, and I pitched the sixth. So uh, it was a it was a whirlwind day for everybody. What was the moment like after the game with them? And and how touching was that for you? It was it was awesome, man. See my little boys, they were making a a mockery of the family room running around like crazy kids but uh just getting to uh getting to see them and and give them a hug and for them to kind of my oldest at least to understand um a little bit about you know what what was going on and and, you know just kind of all the support that my family had given me through the whole thing it was just uh it was awesome to be able to give them a hug after it and and uh share it with them are they with you here in st pete um I think their plan is just to stay the weekend. My son's got school Monday, so it's kind of playing it by ear, man. Next week is the Atlanta Braves. Is that going to be strange for you at all, and if so, how? It'll be a little weird seeing, uh, you know, a few people I, I know over there and, 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 you know, being on the other side of that, you know, seeing that uniform on the other side of the field. But, you know, I'm here to do a job and, and get people out. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll say hi to a few people, but after that it's, you know, time to get to work. What were your best memories with that organization and why? Yeah, you know, getting to spend a lot of time there. I think, you know, my rookie year getting to pitch in the playoffs and pitch for Bobby Cox's last season um, was special and, and sharing Chipper Jones' last season was special. Um, I, you know, I'm grateful for all the, all the things I got to do there, but, um, you know, I'm here now and, and I'm glad to be here since
3: you mentioned shipper jones he was among those who either tweeted out i don't know if he did he text you directly or did you have you had any contact with him since making that first appearance
8: i I haven't i haven't uh i saw the the tweet and uh we actually have the same share the same agent so we're you know we're uh we're buddies and and it was definitely special just to see him um you know make a comment on there and and it meant a lot to me um actually i got to see him this off you know, not been that long, but for him to make a comment on there was definitely special. He's a, he's a special guy.
3: You're not a social media guy, so has your wife or anyone kind of saved
8: all that or put it together in a scrapbook or anything? My wife, uh, she she kind of ran uh, ran me through a lot of them, and, and man, I, you know, I felt like I through the whole thing, I held my emotions pretty good, but when you start reading words from, you know, your teammates here, guys you played with, and it, it uh, definitely pulled on my heartstrings, and it meant, it meant a lot to me, and. Uh, like I said, I don't know if I deserve it all, but uh, I'm grateful for it.
3: I mean, what you've done is so unique. I mean, have you? can you put that in perspective? I mean, three-and-a-half Tommy Johns, and there have been maybe one or two guys who technically have come back from three?
8: Yeah, I mean, no, I don't know. I, mean, I think there's probably a lot of guys out there that would have stuck it out. Um, so, I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure uh, I did anything that, that, that great, you know, just uh, try to work as hard as I can to play a game and, and you know fortunately it's, this time around it's been good going forward how do you want to help this group because you're you're a veteran guy but a guy it's almost like you got a new lease on life too yeah you know I, obviously I want to answer the call every time they call my, my name in the bullpen and, and try to whatever whatever outs they need you know whether it be a lefty or a righty or an inning or two whatever you know I just I want to be able to go out there and help this team win some games and and uh, you know try to I'm not a very vocal uh, person or leader, but uh, if I can set a good example um, and be a good teammate, that'd be that's kind of what I'm trying to do. You're off to a pretty good start there. I appreciate it. Thank you.
3: That's Johnny Venters. Special thanks to him and all the guests on our show, including Dave Handy, NBA, as well as Daniel Robertson, Craig Albernaz, and many others. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, tweet me at Neil Solon's next week, our Mother's Day edition. Special thanks to producer Len Martez. Neil Solon saying stay tuned for the Rays pregame show. It's next on the Rays Baseball Network.